Welcome to the Old Souls and Seekers podcast brought to you by Satori Prime. If you're anything like us, you've been around and around the personal development and mindset block quite a few times. You've read the books, watched the videos, attended the seminars, and even worked with a coach or two, and yet you still find yourself searching for more. You may even feel stuck or that you should be farther along than where you are right now. And after doing over a decade of mindset work, we've come to this realization. Mindset work is like a small hit of dopamine that distracts you from your true work. You get these little hits of feeling better only to be met with the same underlying conditions and patterns over and over again. Now, mindset was an important part of your evolution as well as ours, but it hits a plateau and now you find yourself ready for that deeper layer of growth and expansion. If you're listening to this podcast, then you're ready to get off that Ferris wheel. This podcast is only for those that are ready to dive deep and do the real inner healing work. For those that are ready to move past more information into actual experiences. If you're looking for more understanding, then you've come to the wrong place. This is a home for old souls ready to fully embrace and remember who they truly are. Ready to make a profound difference in their lives and in the lives of others. So welcome home, dear one. We're excited to be part of your journey. Hello, hello. Welcome back, everybody. Or welcome forward, rather. Happy New Year. Please feel free to uh, say hi in the chat box if you're so inclined. I'd love to know who's out there. If you're uh, anything like me, you were hesitating to hit the ground running with the new year. So I thought we'd take it kind of easy today. Um, Elon is sidelined with the flu since, Chris- since Christmas Eve, since New Year's Eve. Uh, I have had a cold for the last like six or seven days that I'm still... Uh, getting over hasn't been too too bad actually. Uh, and yesterday I did a workout. I did a squat and I threw out my back, so I, I'm having a very difficult time walking right now, which is uh, cumbersome. But it's it's already feeling better today as well. So auspicious way to start the New Year's, but you know that's life. I don't think life care is what day it is. So, um, well, hi everybody. I hope uh, your New Year's was really really wonderful, uh, restful. I hope you're with uh, wonderful people. And uh, I was kind of reading through um, some of the comments, some of the things inside the group, and I'm willing to kind of take this conversation in any direction. Having said that, in uh, in the spirit of kind of easing into the new year, I thought we would just um, honestly sit together today and uh, a few little practices and just kind of pointing out some just fundamental things, you know, um, here, here's the reality, right? Like regardless of what work you end up doing, uh, with our community, other communities, and there's plenty of really good work and healing work all over the planet. Um, you know, this, this stuff is, is, is patient work. Um, it's like any other craft that you might be doing in your life or things that you excel at or have excelled at things that you're working on. It's, it's learning a new language. It's learning a new instrument. It's exactly the same. Uh, learning about how to be introspective, learning about mindfulness, learning about how to view oneself um, outside of the, the conditioned norms that most of us have lived in, looking, um, understanding what's going on inside of the body so that we can get into practices of healing work look at the fundamentals and basics we can all learn very quickly in anything. Anybody could teach you chords on the guitar. Right. Um, but that doesn't mean that you're going to play them like Santana overnight. Um, so I just want to, you know, bring in this, this idea of just being a patient worker with yourself and being patient, uh, and learning to bring compassion towards the self when you're not at your best. Like here, here's the truth, regardless of what you do, regardless of what you practice, life is going to happen to you, right? This cut, this work doesn't make me uh, or Elon uh, have the ability to not get sick. 
you know, throwing out your back, whatever it is. Like, those are not things I, I desire to have in my life, but I, I have them. I think what I want to offer you is hopefully you can you can feel for my spirit and, and my energy. It was like, I was kind of laughing about it. Yesterday, I was in this crazy amount of pain. I couldn't walk two inches and I was just lay, laying on my back trying to figure out how to turn over. And I kind of had like a giggle uh, about myself because that's just a, a type of pattern I know in my life. Like I know um, there are certain people I've worked with over the years too, where it's like physical trauma is a, a regular occurrence in their life for some reason. I think it's just the way that that system chooses to learn, um, has some masochistic tendencies. And for those of you masochists out there, be proud. Um, and, you know, I was like laughing about it. It, it didn't really tamper with my mood. Uh, it, it just like, it just was what it was. Again, not what I wanted. In my head, I had some other vision of, of how I wanted my first day of my new year to be. Um, but like every time I would, you know, pick up my, my baby or attempt to do that. And I was reminded of the excruciating pain I was in. I, I weirdly enough also met it with like a chuckle and compassion. And yeah, of course there's the little parts in there that's like, what was me and why did that happen and stuff like that. And so to me, uh, I'm saying that and sharing that because that's the breath of the work is how do you approach yourself when it's not going the way that you pictured in your mind. And, and, you know, we have enough of us here in the community and I think we could all probably agree that life does not go according to human plan. How many of you guys would agree or somewhat agree with that statement? Say yes in the chat box. Right. And so there are like these studies that are done to show like what does make a human happy. And in many respects, uh, a happy human is directly correlated to something that's going to seem really obvious while when I say it, which is control. A human being seems to be at their happiest when they feel in control, right? But, or I say, and I think we can all mostly agree that control is an illusion. I think what a human being mistakes control for is things lining up with my expectations. And life doesn't often meet our expectations. There's this wonderful speaker. His name is uh, Bo Eason. And we had the privilege of watching him do his one-man show, I don't know, 10, 11 years ago. Uh, he's a, a former first-round NFL draft pick from the early 80s, something like that. Like, I did not know him in his playing days. But he, for those of you guys who follow American football, he was one of the best cornerbacks uh, of his era. And him and his brother were actually both um, NFL players. I think his brother was actually a quarterback for the Patriots, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, he, when he left the NFL, he parlayed for whatever reason in his mind, he wanted to become <clears throat> the greatest stage actor on planet Earth. And he eventually got to learn from... Um, I was going to say Robert De Niro, but not Robert De Niro. Jeez, um, I, should, I, should, I expect this to come to me in two seconds, but now that I'm speaking, it's not. Uh, if anybody can help me, uh, Godfather, Scent of a Woman, um, those movies, very famous actor, incredible actor, but it's not, not, not clicking right now for me. So he eventually gets to learn from um, you know, this unbelievable actor and i remember he was he was explaining to us through the his work and through this stage performance that he did in front of 50 people uh and definitely not ricky gervais um very very famous likes to yell a lot uh he was also uh um wow my brain very famous actor hold on we'll get this al pacino thank you stacy davis al pacino yes i was trying to uh i was trying to remember devil's advocate uh, so yes, so he ended up learning from Al Pacino and his team, and that that's who actually trained him to be a, a stage performer. And Al, of course, is considered, I hope, by many, one of the the best actors that's ever done it, and certainly on stage. So, congratulations for those of you guys who got Al Pacino. Marlon Brando was a good guess as well. Um, and sorry, my brain is at half speed right now. So, <clears throat> so he gets to learn from him. But the reason I mention that is here's a guy who grew up in a household. He, he tells the story of what it took for him to become an NFL player. 
And then I don't know why he wanted to make this pivot, but that was just something that he always wanted to do. Gets this amazing trainer, puts together this one-man show, and to watch him do the show is really something special. He literally loses 10 pounds on the stage while doing the show because every movement, everything is so purposeful. He has this kind of uh, energy and aura about him. And so what Bo trains now, uh, for those of you guys who are interested, he actually works out of LA. Him and his team will come. And if you're an entrepreneur, that's kind of where his focus is, is he teaches entrepreneurs how to tell their story with the training of a stage performer. So it's like that, that when you are talking about your business or talking about your products or talking about your services, they're wildly purposeful. It's something I've always actually wanted to do. And weirdly enough, I was reminded of him because it's been like 10 years since I've been in his uh, space by a friend of mine, Peter, who just on a whim got invited by somebody to go to his uh, live event, which I guess was a group event. But when I knew him, he was doing um, him and his team work with you for two days. So I mentioned him because by many accounts, a wildly successful person, you know, and what I loved about him is how he talked about the parallels between learning how to master something like football and then learning how to master being a stage performer. And he said something then that I want to relay back to how I started today's conversation, which is most of the time, most of the time, he said that something along the lines of life is just course corrections over and over and over and over again. He's like, when you're, I think he's even made a metaphor for a ship. Like when a ship is in the water, it's just constantly on course correction to get it to, you know, go in that straight line, so to speak. And life is like that too. We're constantly course correcting. And once in a while we bang on that target and it feels really, 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 really good. But that's like the 1%. The other 99, 98% of life is really just course corrections. And so I, I think I found over the years, a lot of people come into this type of work into introspection, into awareness work, mindfulness work, healing work. And their expectation is that they should be just like once they figure it out, that's it, life is perfect. No, no bumps, no bruises. Everything is just humming along. And that's not, not really the case. Like life is just a, mostly a bunch of course corrections. And ultimately, I think is really about learning how to let go of expectations, of, of being um, attached to any particular plan at all because you figure out that attachment expectations these are the things that are creating the distaste in your mouth that are creating the dysfunction for you that are making you not pleased with the way life goes we've all been to a movie i'm sure that was a great movie but a friend just built it up to no end and said it's the best thing you're ever going to see and then you go watch the movie and you're like well it's just kind of okay and then you go see a movie that you just expect to be kind of okay and it kind of blows your mind and you're like, wow, I really enjoyed that movie. Again, what, what is the difference there? Simply the fact of your, your expectations. And so one of the things that we always want to work on is dropping all expectation as much as we can. And, and granted, you're a human being. You're going to have expectations. So it's not about working towards a goal of never having expectations. It's about bringing mindfulness to the area of expectations in your life so that you're aware when you have them. How many of you guys are, are tracking what I'm saying here? Say, say I in the chat box or yes in the chat box. Okay. And I'm bringing this forward because you are walking into a new year. And every new year, if you want it to be so, is its own fresh plate, right? It's its own a fresh board, whiteboard of, of stuff. But if you fill up this year with all your expectations, and if you look back at last year, you're like, what are all the things I wanted that didn't happen? And you put on that board all the things that you're already disappointed by, you're going to spend a lot of this year regulated back into disappointments around things that have already happened. And you're you're really just setting yourself up for failure. Not in terms of your goals, right? Because you might succeed on some of your goals, but just in terms of your mood and your energy and how you're going to feel about yourself, okay? There are plenty of people in this world making sub $50,000 that are happy as shit. 
they're happy with their small homes. They're happy with their two kids. They're happy with just scraping just enough money together to go on holiday or vacations twice a year. They're happy just sitting around playing video games. And they're really, really happy doing that. You know, drinking on the weekends, watching some football like that just totally makes them happy. And then there are people in this world who have like a hundred million dollars in the bank who have no relationship with people in their family. All they know is work. And while they, you know, they'll portray themselves online, like they have it all together and they really do in, in the area of finances and business in terms of connection or well-being or health or anything else, their, their life is in total shambles and shit and are probably the most depressed, you know, angry, you know, divisive people that you'll ever meet. And so you can have whatever goals you choose to have, right? I'm not saying not to be a goal setter. I'm not saying not to do any of the practices that might feel good for you, if they feel good for you, but check in if they do. What I'm saying is you got to check in with yourself regularly and bring in mindfulness, which basically means just observing what's going on within you. And, and this is the, the nuance, right? Is what are we observing? How are we observing? What's our uh, response to what we're observing? And can we condition a different response to that observation? I wrote, I read somebody wrote in the group how vicious their mind is to them. Now, how many guys just being honest in the chat box again, you can say yes, or give me a cue. you like, your mind doesn't say kind things to you. How many of you guys would agree with that? Just say yes in the chat box. So I can kind of get a sense of that. Right. Or you just find like being with your mind is like not a, you know, not a pleasant experience. You find it maybe rather distasteful and you're like, why do I, what is happening with this crazy ass mind of mine? That's awesome, Sandra. I'm really, really happy to read that. So just take a look. And, and I want as many of you guys who are willing to write in the chat box, I'm just asking you to write yes. And because I just want you to see that, A, you're not alone, okay? And I also don't want to create it as like, well, that's human nature. Because that also may not be true. And creating an expectation that, excuse me for my nasally voice, by the way. Um, and it's creating an expectation that we all have this negative thought patterns also lets you have this feeling like it's never going to stop. It's never going to go away. This is just the way that we all are. I would say it's more likely to be human conditioning than human nature. Yeah. And so Danny's saying, you know, honestly, that's what I found so tricky about the whole law of attraction world. It sets you up. At least that's how it was for me for super high expectations to create this amazing life. And then you feel like you're a failure when it doesn't work out that way. Yeah. And there's a, a reason for that, Danny, and we can talk about that. So let me just start, start that. I'll come back to that. Um, if I can, I think that's a good point. And so number one, just look in the chat box and see that, Hey, you're not alone. So you're not some crazy person whose mind is flying off the chain and who you seem to have no control over it, okay? And just again, backstory on me, like, I'll just say this, like I feel, even to this day, to some degree, like a depressed human being, okay? Weirdly enough, I probably had a, a, a breakthrough and I'm putting that in quotes because it was an energetic experience uh, in the jungle this past October that maybe for the first time in my life, since I was a really little boy, I mean like three, four years old, where this, feeling that I've had in my body, the claw that was around it just seems to have let go. Okay. Now it didn't happen by chance. I went through an extremely intense experience with my depression. Like the experience was I got more depressed than I ever got. But in the, for those of you guys who've done some plant medicine work, you know, being in ceremony for six hours can feel like hundreds, even thousands of years, like many lifetimes. Um, I had to, I got to sit with this depression in a way that I just had never been able to reach and sit with it before and willing. And as it came up in my experience over and over again, it was like the, the most intense depression I'd ever experienced in my life period. And the, the lesson was and love that too, over and over again. It was just this, like, no matter what arose, no matter what feeling came, the medicine kept saying, and love this too, and bring more compassion and love this too, and bring more compassion. And I realized in my work there, 
and I'll come back to the depression because I, I think it's an important part because to some degree we all probably deal with this. Um, <clears throat> you know, uh, I just kind of threw myself off track there, but um, the, the important part to me and is always with this work is that you cannot get out of the prison that you're in until you go back into that prison. You can't get around it. You can't figure out some way to turn it off. Notice how everyone's dealing with this crazy mind, right? Like if we could just turn it off, I would love to give you the on off switch and be like, there you go. No more crazy thoughts. But here we are. There's a bunch of you guys in here who I know are very practiced, you know, very good practitioners. And yet it's still there. And so for me, up until the age of 19, 19 was my first major aha breakthrough moment of enlightenment, Satori moment, Zen, truly Zenful moment for me, where I realized in the beginning of that realization for me was my ability to realize having a realization that the voice in my head and what my mind was saying was not who I was. It is just a, a, a mechanism within me. And the sheer fact that I was able to listen to it very clearly and hear that it was some part of me was generating thought immediately gave me clarity that that part is not me because how could I be listening to a part of me if that was me? It just would be me, right? But there, it was very clear distinction and maybe take a moment here and maybe we can all do this together for a few minutes is just let your mind's loudspeaker go on and see if, again, you can create for yourself in the next few minutes here. This, you know, the reason we use, we use the word distinction is because what we want to realize is one thing is distinct from another thing. I want to have the realization that who I am or whatever it is that I am, this awareness that I am, is distinct from the chatter that a mechanism within my awareness is creating. And this mechanism we just call the mind. But can you, in this moment, give yourself a little bit of space and recognize that, yes, there's chatter and I'm going to be quiet so you can listen. And then there's me, whatever, however you define that, that listens to it. And also see if you can locate the listener. So I'll be quiet. You can close your eyes. And again, you're listening for the chatter. Now, here's the thing. Regardless of whether you like the chatter or not, see if you can just let the chatter be. Relax the part of you that's trying to change the chatter. So take a step back from the chatter, which is another way to say disengage from the chatter or unmerge from the chatter and distinguish the listener as something separate from that which is creating the chatter. And see, and see if also in the same moment, if you can feel the impact on your biology, on your body, if there's like maybe tension inside of the body see if the tension relaxes a little bit and you can play with this so if you're disengaging and you're unmerging from the chatter see what it's like to merge back in from the chatter validate the chatter like this is my thought right this is this is what's real and then see how that feels in the body and then maybe go back and forth a few times And then I'd love to hear from a few of you guys, or, you know, if you're listening now or you're in the car, 
obviously this might be a little bit more difficult, especially if you're on the podcast, listening, listening to this, but I'd love to get some feedback from a few of you guys who are here right now. And what are you noticing in that listening? And you're not looking for the right answer here. It's just, it's just, what are you noticing in your experience? There, there's no one right answer for any of us. It's just, what's your answer? What's your experience? The most trusted thing that you have is your anecdotal evidence of your life and of your experiences, regardless of where, you know, a teacher may guide you to see something. Michelle said she could just focus on her breathing, which is beautiful. Yep. So Sally saying the chatter is not me. Jim Dooley said I felt more inner peace. Alicia says I was able to visualize detach from my thoughts by floating them out above my head. Beautiful. I love that. And so it's not just a mental practice, right? There's a mindfulness piece of being mindful of thought. Now notice how I never said control your thoughts. Sarah said, Sarah said, trying to separate the listeners actually stressing me out because my untrained mind goes to what if I can't separate them, right? So, and that's where you want to check Sarah is like, even that thought, what if I can't separate them? It's not you. So the practice for you in the beginning is look, even that thought had me merge with this chatter. And you have to realize this chatter is a really good chess player. And it knows all the moves to make to get what it wants with you. It's not against you in the way that games are, are usually played. It just has a certain goal, and that goal is safety. And the way that it generates safety is by keeping you in line with your status quo. Human beings are pattern recognition machines. Our brain is looking for patterns. It does not care about your personal opinion about what it's doing inside of that pattern. To it, it essentially learned that, hey, if we do this, we stay safe. If you want to know why there's so many obese people in the world, because sitting on the couch, eating synthesized food that was made in a lab that has just the right amount of salt and oil and fat in it, while getting fat on a couch, to a human actually equals safety. So why would the brain stop doing that? And so there's a few questions here and some of you guys are using nomenclature about, you know, the meddler and ego. Yeah. So we could say that the chatter is coming from the ego to me. When I think of ego or personality, um, what I think of is a defensive pattern. Okay. It's the way that my system defends itself. Like a castle would defend itself when it's being attacked and it's trying to find safety. And however your system does that is how it does that. So listen again for a moment. And this time, honor that which is chatting, meaning like sit in gratitude and compassion that there is a part of you that is having a conversation and it's having that conversation because it's trying to keep you safe. So if you had like a protector, if you had a person that you hired, that never slept, never ate, never asked for anything in return, didn't even need to get paid financially. And their only job was to constantly keep you safe. How would you feel towards that individual? How would you feel towards that person? And so take that same breath of energy and now apply it towards this chatter that it's like an upset child that has been trying to figure out ways to create safety and is defending what it thinks is sacred and holy, which is to say you, and it's doing that. And now listen like a parent would listen to a child who's trying to create safety. And just see if you can bring compassion towards, this, towards the chatter. And you're a compassionate listener. And see what that's like for a moment.
listening, listening with compassion. Even if you feel fraudulent doing it, just see what it feels like when you calm, calm your breathing, relax the back of your eyes, relax the jaw. If we scan the body, you'll find tension everywhere. So to the degree that you can, noticing the arms, the back, your legs, and just letting the body relax. Yeah, so Ian's noticing this like a uh, feeling in his head. That's a telltale sign, Ian, of a, like a protector that's there. And even listening to this, what I'm saying right now, which is a pretty innocuous practice, can feel threatening to a part of you that doesn't want to be found out, that doesn't want to hear that you can listen to this part and disengage. People are in pain when they are merged with this, call it ego, call it personality. When you take that the reality that your mind is speaking is the truth, generally speaking, you're in pain. And if you look on social media comment boxes, that's essentially what you're seeing is you're seeing a momentary thought that a person has that they are immortalizing online forever being merged with that thought as if that is reality. And so even with comment boxes, which could probably bring a little trigger into your system, if you've ever been engaged in conversations and comment boxes, I never comment on anything, not even on my own stuff. I just, I have outbound content only. I don't do any inbound content from social media for that particular reason, because I'm aware that I'm not talking to that person. I'm talking to a part that they're merged with. That's it. And so what if you in the same token, like what if you just brought compassion, like every single person that you meet online, that's doing that. Certainly there's just trolls out there. They got, you know, get kicks from that. They just get, they, it's just another person, another voice who's not being listened to with compassion. And so this is a practice of unhooking, unmerging from the mind. If you want freedom at any level in this lifetime, this is something that you want to master. And if you find this challenging, then the, that's where it's at right now. Your mind will tell you this is challenging. And you might say, okay, well, I don't want to do something that's challenging. Well, okay, but there you are again, exactly where you are. You might as well at least take a moment, five minutes a day, 10 minutes a day, and just pause and be like, what is happening today? Because a lot of us are walking with tension, anxiety, stress in our body, and we just go about our day and you go into these loops, these mental loops. How many of you guys know what I'm talking about? You play out a, an event that happened over and over in your head and your head like tries to triangulate it in different ways. And it always makes you the hero or the victim and everybody else wrong. You're punishing them. You're punishing yourself. You know, it's, it's always doing whatever it is that you do in your story that you become accustomed to. And so if your mind is saying negative things, and just to go back to my story with depression, so I can remember that feeling at around four or five years old, whatever it is, okay? That feeling always led to uh, hostility, anger, um, occasionally like, not like crazy violence, but you know, violent tendencies towards family members, stuff like that. At 19, I have this realization, oh, it's just, words being generated within me like clouds in the sky, I can choose to engage or I can just choose to watch. Today we call that, um, notice if you've gone for a ride on the bus. That's the metaphor we use. We say, hey, look, sometimes your mind will take you for a ride. It's like being on a bus and not realizing you got on. Notice that you're on the bus and choose to get off. And then mindfulness is watching the bus drive by and not getting on. 
because it's not just enough to notice that there's thoughts there. It's not getting hooked into the thoughts. Oh, there's a thought. The moment you engage with a thought, it expands and it grows. It hooks you. It, it, you get attached to it. You think that that's what's going on. Oh, I understand why I don't feel good today. Sometimes you just wake up in the morning. You just feel off. Then your mind generates a story about why you feel off. And you start engaging with the story like that's what's going on. Your mind made up that story. That's not what's going on. It, it, it's possible that you have some lingering energy from the past week. It's possible you didn't sleep well that night. There's there's so many possibilities of why your hormones could be off, why your mental state is off, why your energy could be off. Like so much stuff. Right? Again, you could say you have a bus going by, Sarah Bailey saying, or like clouds arising. They seem to arise from nowhere. They disappear back into the nothingness. And if you don't engage with thoughts, thoughts will arise within you and then disappear back into the nothingness. And you can start moving through stuff very quickly instead of spending a lot of time being merged with a part that has a concern. And that's what you got to realize is whatever is being generated within is coming from a part of you that has a concern. And chances are that concern is not new. You know that concern, you know that feeling, you know that loop, you know the energy behind it. Like you've done this probably like a million times, a hundred thousand times, right? You've done this so many times. There's familiarity there. And notice that in the familiarity, there is also a sense of calmness because you know this pattern. There's a part of you that actually gets soothed even if you don't like it because it's like, at least this is familiar. Like for me, having like some kind of body pain, honestly, has been much less these days, kind of weird. I was about to say is very familiar to me, but over the last two, three, four years actually has not been familiar. But I'm I'm kind of like used to like banging my arm somewhere or having like a cut on my body. Like I, I, I drive my system pretty hard. That's just the reality. You know, most of you guys will probably agree that I speak pretty damn fast. And to be honest, I do most things in my life pretty damn fast. My system just sees speed as efficiency. It likes to do things quickly. And I have a lot of energy inside of my body. But that's also led to me like injuring myself regularly or pushing my body too hard. So at 19, I have this realization. I, I just turned 40 in September. So I've been doing mindfulness realization, healing practices now for almost 21 years. March will be 21 years uh, to be exact. And I don't know when it happened, but somewhere along the way, my mind went from being the fucking devil and saying the worst possible things it could say about me to the point of like, you know, suicidal thoughts, violence towards myself, uh, all sorts of stuff like that. So I really understand when that's happening and how painful that can be. And then of course there's the biological chemical effect inside the body, hormonal effect inside the body of tension and anxiety and stress and all the things that come along with thinking that way to one day where I'm like, that doesn't happen anymore or very rarely, you know, certainly I can get hooked by something in my life, but for the most part, I spend my life with a fairly peaceful mind. Dare I even say a mind that communicates positive things back to me on a regular basis. So I can only report from my anecdotal personal experience of somebody who's been practiced in this for a very, very long time that eventually it does wean. Now, does, again, does that mean my mind never makes something up? Of course, my mind is hallucinating all the time. Even the positive stuff, even the good stuff that I say to myself today is a hallucination of my mind. It's making it up. So it's useful to know that the mind is a story-making machine. It's making meaning out of everything. That doesn't mean that that's what it means. It just means that it's going to continue to do that because humanity, when we look out into the world, has to make some sense of what's going on. I need to know that when I turn a doorknob to the right or push it down, it's going to open. I find it hilarious when people talk about, oh my God, you're judging me. I'm like, yes, that is true. Because I'm judging myself and I'm literally judging everything around me. I look at the color of the wall. There's an inner judgment. When I walk towards a door, my body has to judge what it's going to feel like to push or pull that door open. Without judgment, we would not be able to be in this world. If a car is barreling down the street, I need to be able to judge its speed to know whether I can cross the street. 
if my child is doing something, I need to be able to judge whether what they're doing is safe or not for their physical well-being. That's called the judgment. I need to be able to judge whether I need can put salt on my food and if that's going to add flavor or be too salty. That's called the judgment. So if you're going to argue with a spouse or anybody else, like you're judging me, it's like they are. You're also judging them. Let's be clear. And you're judging yourself and you're judging the circumstance and you're judging everything around it. So again, these are not mechanisms that you can overcome. They're built in, they're baked in. It's part of the recipe to have anxiety, to have stress, to be a judger, to be, you know, upset, to have these thoughts. It's baked in. The way out of the trap is not to overcome them or try to shut them off. It's to A, understand what are they principally there for. And then when you always understand some part of you, you get, oh, wow, it's actually trying to help me. It's never been trying to, never been trying to harm me. It's always been trying to help me. That's, and the moment you get that, you're like, oh, I can now bring compassion towards that aspect of myself. And through compassion and love, we can begin to observe a part of us in a completely different way. When you are at odds with a part of you, you're not observing it. You're just judging a part of you that's already judging. This is what I always call being two in the hole. You have a situation, you're judging yourself, and then you judge yourself how you responded, and then you judge yourself for judging yourself. That could be even three in the hole. So now you're three layers away from what happened. There's the what happened, then there's the Okay, I don't like what happened, judgment number one. I don't like that I don't like what happened. And I don't like how I'm responding to what I didn't like. It's, and you just keep going back into these you know, never-ending judgments. And the more you do that, the further you move away from the reality of actually what happened. And you don't see things clearly, even though your mind will convince you that the truth that you see is the absolute only truth, right? If you want to understand why politics is the way politics is, because this is what people do. They convince themselves that there's a side, a tribe that believes what they believe. They judge the other side and they keep doing the judgments. They move so far away. And for most of us, most of us, and this is also a really important aspect, we haven't learned because it feels kind of difficult in their system to take responsibility for the shit that we made up and the impact that it's having on ourselves and people around us. And because we don't want to be found out in that stuff, we don't take responsibility thinking, well, I don't want to shame myself or blame myself for that. So I'm just going to avoid that. But inner responsibility and taking responsibility for the stuff that our system is making up and the impact that it's having on ourselves and others is also the way out of the trap. It's very difficult to say, I'm sorry, let me take responsibility for that. It's like you literally want to like break your teeth when you say that. You know, 21 years of doing it, it hasn't gotten easier to apologize when I fuck up. My initial response is avoidance, uh, defensiveness, still to this day. You know, if I do something that makes me feel shame or blame inside of my system, my system comes up with all sorts of reasons why I did that thing. But when I come out of my psychosis, I can take a moment and be like, oh, shit, like that is certainly not the impact I want to create over here or over there. And then there's there's always that moment of about to take responsibility where it's like it, it's really hard to take that step. There's something so resistant in the body to doing that. But every time I do it, the next part is, oh, God, there's freedom again. There's connection again. There's love again. There's my awareness again. And so I've trained myself over the years of that discomfort, what's lying on the other side of it, of going through that is freedom. And that's true across the board for all these things. That's how I, that's how I had this major breakthrough in depression. It wasn't like, oh, I finally figured out how to not have depression. I got so intimate with depression that it lost its hold on me. I smoked cigarettes on and off for about 10 years. And I can tell you the mistake that I made, why I was so on and off and why I don't smoke anymore. Obvious, obvious health concerns, but truth be told, I love smoking cigarettes. Uh, I love smoking anything. I love the, the ritual of smoke in and out of my, my body. I, I've always loved it from the first time I tried it. 
there was a point where I was trying to become an ex-smoker, right? Like AA brings people to a point where, and again, I, 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 I'm saying this from my perspective, I could be dead wrong. And I apologize if, you know, alcoholism has been part of your life and AA has worked for you. But the perspective over there is I have a disease. I will have it forever. And I'm going to be somebody who is resistant to that disease. And I'm going to deal with it in this way. And, and certainly AA works for many, many people, but that, that philosophy, that notion of smoking just did not work for me. Becoming an ex-smoker didn't work for me. The way I actually stopped smoking completely was I realized that there was a bunch of people on the planet, my brother was one of them, who hated smoking, who never wanted to smoke. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. There's this group of smokers, this, this group of non-smokers. I'm not trying to be an ex-smoker. I realized I want to be a non-smoker. I'm just not a person who smokes. I'm not somebody who used to smoke, who doesn't smoke anymore. I'm not a smoker. And I started getting into the shoes, into the body, into the thoughts of a person who doesn't smoke. And this happened like, like that. It wasn't a, a long thing that happened for me. And I embodied a non-smoker. And so today, when I see people smoking, I'm like, that's crazy. I'm like, it smells bad, clearly not good for them, like none of those things. And, and that was a difference. I wasn't in the gray area between a person who shamed and blamed themselves that they used to, and now they don't. I was just suddenly a person that just didn't do it. And I went through a lot of different things to get to that, right? But I just want to give you like the crux of it. But nonetheless, I had to go through something as a smoker to get there. And so in every area of my life that I have found more freedom, more compassion, more love, more mindfulness, more space, more connection, it has never been, not one time in 21 years, not one time has been because I figured something out and then it suddenly turned off. Never. I've never seen that happen. It has always been getting to a point in my awareness where I built up enough capacity and enough courage to finally face the reality of what was actually happening inside of my experience. And so somebody asked about, well, you know, my mind is so vicious to me. Do you, can you give me a class where they would stop doing that? Like what's the, what's the program that'll stop doing that? Well, level one is that program. There is nothing beyond what is taught in level one or what I've told you here today that you need to know to stop having a mind that does that. Now, does that mean the mind's going to stop doing that tomorrow? No, especially if your mind is like really fucking vicious. You got to step up to the plate and you got to courageously watch that mind on a regular basis. You having an opinion about what your mind or your body, or somebody else, or a circumstance is doing to you is irrelevant to your liberation. Like I injured myself seemingly rather badly yesterday with my back and my glute, and I couldn't walk. Now, what happens if I start judging the pain in my body, the reason I did that, right? It was like a momentary lapse, maybe an awareness. I'm not exactly sure what caused that. Certainly I was a little bit sick. I probably shouldn't have picked up a weight. I thought I was doing some moderate, moderate stuff. There's so many reasons I could find to fuck myself up about my stupidity in doing that, right? And look, it's so easy to generate that reality and then just go into like a depressive cycle around my body and the healing that now needs to occur and all the other stuff. I'm not doing any of that stuff. For me, what always helps is it's so cliche, but it's like everything happens for a reason. Like this asked me to slow down. I wasn't paying attention to something. Now I wasn't paying attention. It's forced me to slow down. Great. I'm going to slow down. I'm, I'm going to pay a little bit more attention. I'm going to bring more presence towards my body. And I'm going to lovingly bring this thing back into its wholeness. And today already, miraculously, I feel a bazillion times better even than this morning. I, I just walked from there to here and I was like, oh, okay. We've, we've made massive improvements since just four hours ago. I'm not going to deal with it like it is the ultimate reality. I'm going to deal with it like I'm having an experience and there's a part of me that has a concern and I'm going to keep bringing mindfulness to it 
but I'm still holding the stability within me that I am not this body. I am this wonderful spiritual awareness that can have all these different experiences and being sick right now and having this, you know, injury or whatever you want to call it, the setback is my experience right now. Desiring to have any other experience than the one that I'm having, it's fine, but it's just lost time. It's lost space. This is time I could still be connected with my kids. This is time I can still enjoy my business. This is time where I can, you know, treat my body a little bit better. And so that's what I choose to do. And that is the, the crux of all this stuff is all this stuff at the end of the day is a choice. You can avoid everything I just told you and go right back to your regularly scheduled program. It, and that would be fine. Life would just continue going on along and it would be fine. I imagine a lot of you guys here are not, are not here because you want fine. You're probably fucking sick of fine. You want extraordinary. I imagine extraordinary is not a life circumstance. Extraordinary is a way of being. And it already lives within you right now. Extraordinary is available in this moment. It is truly available. It is going to feel like something that you get to develop. And it's not because it's undeveloped within you. It's because you put, most of us put a lot more mindfulness towards what's not working than we do towards what is or what could be. And so we spend so much time in the muck meddling with the way that our mind is operating or how we don't like what our body is doing or what somebody's doing to us in a relationship or whatever it might be. And again, you can play that game. And most of the planet is... And the things that you see happening on our planet interrelationally or between countries is a result of that. This is right now what we're looking at is the creation of the mind. This is, this is what the world of the mind without heart, without body, without compassion mostly looks like. And there are plenty of people around the world, uh, communities around the world, countries around the world uh, who are living in a much, 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 I would say in the majority, living a much more compassionate type of world than what we see on the news, right? Hopefully it's dawned on you that the news uses fear to hook you in, to take over your mind and to sell you advertising, you know, that that's their business model. Again, it's fine if you pay attention to that, but you're going to have a certain life as you do when you pay attention to that. I've been working very diligently on myself for 21 years. In many ways, I do have a, a dream life. I do have a, you know, I can say honestly, I have an extraordinary relationship with my wife, with my children, with my community around me. Uh, I, I, I created, I think, um, you know, from, from being a very poor immigrant that migrated to the States in 89 to the life I have today, you know, very privileged life. Is everything perfect exactly as I want it? Fuck No. And there are times where I'm very down about that. Like it, like I spent many years, the last few years in a great deal of stress and pain and sadness around my financial situation. I, I know what you guys think, or I think I know what you guys think is happening from the outside in, but you have no idea the amount of risk and pain and, you know, financial woes that Elon and I have undertaken to, to develop and build what we're building here. And then I'm not out of that bear trap, not by any stretch of the imagination. I have a commitment to be out of that. However, that circumstance has been one of the greatest teachers in the last five years of my life. Because what it revealed to me is so many parts within me that were still living in so much fear. And like an intense, like terrorizing type of fear that I had avoided most of my life. And then suddenly there it was, and I just got to sit in this fear. And what I've, again, courageously had to learn is you got to sit with it. You got to get so intimate with the fear. You got to let it literally overtake you to the point where you feel terrified. Because until that energy and that feeling flows through you, 
the opposite is just always trying to hold it at bay. It's like right there, but you're just holding it at bay and you're using up an enormous amount of resource to not let it through thinking, okay, this is a safer thing, but you spend your whole life holding up this rock. And then when you find out is when it finally hits you in the face and you feel the pain of it, it was never as bad as you thought anyway, and it didn't kill you anyway. And as the lessons come, and stability comes back, suddenly the circumstance doesn't seem to matter anymore. And what you're left with is your extraordinary, courageous point of view that has liberation and freedom from that experience. And now generating wealth from that place feels much more in alignment to me than trying to generate wealth in order to stop that fear. Because before what was gonna create that wealth was that fear. I need safety. That's great wealth. Most of you guys, I promise you, are doing that around your finances. And it's why it doesn't change. Because the energy that creates it is still fear. And whatever energy you're sourcing your results in your life from will create more of that energy. If you, you can create more money from fear, but that money will ultimately create more fear. So there's plenty of wealthy people. They keep going. The fear hasn't changed. Doesn't matter how big the bank account gets. Don't take my word for it. Just look at some videos online of wealthy people talking about this phenomenon. They have more money than they know what to do with. The fear is exactly the same. They haven't fixed their problem. Sarah is asking about excess potential. It's a conversation we can have um, kind of next time, but essentially it's it's in a breath a little bit of what I just said right now. It's like your 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 worry is creating energy. And uh, the more energy you create, there's just like any any energy system on the planet, there's like leftover excess energy from that, potential energy from that. So when you um, are trying to keep something at bay, right? You, you guys probably notice when you really want something very, very badly, generally speaking, what happens is the opposite of what you want. Would you guys agree with that? Yes or no in the chat box? <laughs> And so that opposite that happens is this phenomenon that we've come to know as excess potential, which is to say the universe is always trying to put everything into balance. So if you're over here like, I need this thing, I need this thing, I need this thing, the balancing force has to come, which is the opposite of what you want to put it back into balance. And so the more attachment you have, the more expectations you create, the more excess potential energy you create, the more of the opposite has to happen. It is, a, it is a very practiced practice to generate a desire and not be attached or put expectation on it. That's it. it uh, it's, a, it's a practice practice to be in fear and just allow it to be there without trying to change it. Because if you try to change it, the more you try to change it, the more excess potential you create, the more the opposite of what you want happens. And so you get more things to be afraid of in your life. It's, it really is, yes, it's a law of neutrality. That would be another way to say it. Now, being neutral is not so easy. Simple, not easy. You got to practice that every day. Where in my life do I not have neutrality? Ian's asking, you know, we're creating safety around wealth, but we should be experiencing fear. I'm not saying you should be experiencing fear. I'm saying most people around their money are experiencing fear. And they're trying to generate wealth while... Like they're trying to create the wealth to alleviate the fear. Don't to do that. Because then what's generating the wealth is the energy of fear. And then the wealth will create more fear in your life. It's just what happens. Sit with the fear. Be with the fear. Compassionate towards the fear. Notice the, the conversations that your mind is having around fear. Bring mindfulness to it. And we're talking about mental mindfulness, but there's also everything that happens down here in the body. And so that's why for those of you guys in level one, level one is very much about mindfulness practices up here. Level two and level three, we go into the body because the body is really where you're having your experience. This is where the energy is, the hormones is. When you're upset, it's here. The mind is creating stories around what's down here, but it's really about what's here. And we've and you need to work both mechanisms. You need to do the growing up work that helps the mind liberate itself, and then the grow, and then the waking up work 
that helps the body liberate itself. When you do both, you're going to see some very interesting things happen in your life. And that's when you're going to start seeing these, you know, patterns loosening and letting go. But like I said, this is patient work. This is, it, it's, it's like a diet, you know, like I, I don't like using the word diet. It's like having a food lifestyle that's healthy. It's not about dieting, right? Like, again, for those of you guys who are trying to lose weight, you're like, oh, I need to become like a dieter. No, you just need to become like a person who eats healthy on a regular, on a more regular basis. Eat whole foods. Stop messing around with processed foods. Eat, eat what nature gave us on a regular basis and you're going to start seeing health in your life. You know, so it's like, it's not about overcoming that stuff. It's just about realizing, okay, like when I do that, this is the result I get. I gotta, I gotta change my habit. And if you want to see like changes everywhere in your life and your health and your connections and your relationships and your money, you, it's not, you cannot develop a new relationship to those things until you change the relationship that's in here first. And that's what this whole thing has been about today. It's like work on and the mindfulness of being intimate with your own system. This is what you got, guys. This is the gift that you got. Is this body, this mind, these conditions, these circumstances, these relationships. It's not going to change. It's not going to change until you inwardly change. And then you're going to see as you shift your, your awareness within suddenly all the problems just kind of melt away. They're like, oh, there were never even fucking problems in the first place. My mind was creating the problems. My stories, the, this response that I was having within my body. If you're not willing to become intimate and courageously face that discomfort from within, your, your chances of change minimize greatly. And then, you know, last but not least, again, like this is why we have a community. So you don't have to do this on your own. You're going to want to do this on your own. You're not going to want to ask for support. Even though you tell yourself you will, you won't ask for support. That's why we're here. That's why this community is here. That's why we have so many group calls. That's why you, we, we, you know, we ask people to do certain practices like minis and stuff like that. Because all these little things over time are going to get you a lot closer to what it is that you desire. And what you desire is not, trust me, is not the end result. I still get into that trap all the time. Like, that's just the, the, the end result. It's more about how do you feel right now in this moment with what you got? And what you got is what you got. You know, I can't be Alex Franklin. I can't be Sarah Bailey. I can't be Robert Preece. That's their life. That's their mechanism. That's their conditioning. That's their relationships. That's what they got. That's their health. That's what they got. And if you compare yourself to others and try to have their experience, you can't. I'll finish with this. The quickest way out of the trap is compassion towards the self. That's just what's up. For those of you guys who understand committing to something like a process is how you change your life. And we are the right people for you. Like you enjoy listening to us. Then you want to be, you want to be minimum in our level two work all the way up to level three work. There's a reason that, you know, these programs, when you put them level one, level two, level three, it's actually a 15 month experience when you kind of do them all back to back. There's a reason for that. There's a reason for a immersion as a way to put yourself into a situation where you're going to really, really learn something and it's going to stick. There's a big difference. Like I studied Spanish for six years. Now I, I know words here and there, but I'm not conversational in Spanish. But if every time I go to Colombia for 10 days, suddenly I'm like picking it up like left, right, and center. Because if I immerse myself in a culture and no one's speaking English, my brain just has to figure it out. Human beings are unbelievable at figuring stuff out when we have to. We're just so good. When our backs are up against the wall, our brain just figures it out. We're fucking geniuses. So immersion is the way to learn. You can dip your toe in what we're offering here and you'll learn it, but it's going to take a very long time, like three, four, five, six, seven years from now. Okay, you'll, have, you'll start having some you know, work done. But if you really are like, hey, I want to put myself on an accelerated path and immerse yourself in something, whether with us or with somebody else, okay? Uh, there is an opportunity. I want to remind you to have a conversation with Elon. Um, let's see if I can find this thing. I'll put it up on the screen for you. Okay. And 
That's so you can have a 30 minute coaching call with Elon. And also the second intention would be to discover things about our, our more advanced work. So if you want to come work with us in a prolonged period of time, do that. There is a $111 deposit to have that 30 minutes with Elon. Uh, we do that just because we want to guarantee that you have something on the line and you'll show up because um, there's a, a terrible thing that people do is they book calls and then they don't show up. So at least this way you put something at stake. We know you're going to show up. And if you do join a program, uh, we'll happily credit that $111 towards that program as well. So um, you can just roll it right over. Okay. All right, guys. We love you very much. Thank you uh, for being here today. Um, Happy New Year once again. Hopefully uh, by next year we're both back in health or by next week we're both back in health and uh, here together. We love you all. All the best to you and your family. Take care. Thank you, dear one, for choosing to share a bit of your day with us. We value you greatly. And as a way to give back and help you to deepen these practices, we want to invite you to join our incredible community on Facebook. You can do so easily by going to joinoldsouls.com and ask for an invite. This is our private community where old souls and seekers are able to grow and share their journey with others. We hold exclusive weekly live streams. We answer your personal questions and offer valuable insights that we won't be able to share here on the podcast. So again, just head to joinoldsouls.com and grab your invite today. And as always, if you enjoy this podcast, please head to iTunes and leave us a review. It's the only way other people can find this show. So if it's making a difference in your life, please share the love. Until we meet again, have an amazing week, dear one.